and Chelsea Stark. Hello. Ashley is out today, but that's okay because she's going to be with us in Nashville this weekend. Chelsea, what did you just tell me about the weather in Nashville? I told you that currently in Nashville it is 94 degrees. I don't think that's true. Well, currently in New York it is like 68. <laughs> I don't. I don't think it. I don't think it goes that high. 94. Yeah, 94. No, no, you must have gotten it mixed up. You must have gotten the numbers like reversed. 49. Like that it was 49. Mm-hmm. Or, nice. or what, maybe it was 64. Yes, maybe it was even 69. Maybe it was even 69, the perfect temperature. The perfect temperature, but no. The sex temperature. It is, <laughs> it is instead 94, which is very close to the human body's temperature. What's the humidity like in Nashville? Humid. No, I don't think that's true either. That part know. I'm not happy no. about. Listen, buddy, I lo- if anything, my favorite, th- because I worked in local TV where... 90% of your job is writing about the weather, doing stuff related to weather. So now I always read every part of the weather forecast. So, yeah, it is 62% humidity right now. Okay, but that, I guess compared to New York, that's not even that bad. It's not that bad. But 94? Yeah, that part's bad. It's warm. But as we've established, it's fake. Fake weather. Um, so, so looking forward to meeting people in Nashville and being soaking wet. Simone is a weather truther. <laughs> an interesting fun fact. Listen, so when you say soaking wet, you're just assuming that you're not going to sweat at all. It'll be fine. That's uh, the, the wet is sweat. I, I'm going to put the <laughs> wet in soaking sweat. sweat. Yes, <laughs> the wet is sweat is definitely the episode. Title wheat now. in sweat. <laughs> oh God. So today's podcast uh, is going to be fun, as you can tell. It's also going to be a bit TV heavy. Uh, We have E3 coming up in two weeks, uh, commence screaming. Uh, But I think we've we've kind of been uh, a little lax on playing games this week. But we are going to talk about the Oculus Quest, which is badass. And then we're going to talk about Tuca and Birdie, finally, after like a month of putting it off. And we're going to talk about Fleabag, which uh, I'm sure anyone who's been on Twitter lately and follows anyone related to TV has heard people talk about Fleabag. Um, and now it's our turn to do that because the show is really fucking good. Sorry, Chelsea. <laughs> it's fun. It's not like I'm against shows. What is wrong with... Chelsea is against, against shows. shows. Chelsea's anti-show. She's anti-show. And I'm anti-sweat. It's just that they're, they're two shows that I don't think you've, you've watched. I feel bad for that. No, it's fine. Um, well, I'll just find a way to interject my own thoughts and opinions about something I don't know anything about. Thank you. That's all I ask of you. You're a professional. I know you can do it. Yes. All right. Let's jump right into it with the Oculus Quest, because we're going to start with the video game thing. So the Oculus Quest is Oculus's new headset that uh, does not need to be attached to a PC to work. You just pop it on your head. You've got the touch controllers. It doesn't have beacons either. It uses cameras in the headset to position you in space. And it is completely badass. It's so badass. I I love it so much. Like, this is what I've been waiting for ever since VR came on the scene. Was... You've just been waiting for a moment to enter virtual reality very seamlessly and just disappear. Yes, and I kept doing that this weekend because I borrowed the one from the office, uh, and it was just sitting in my living room, and every so often I'd wander by and be like, hmm, is it time to enter the VR zone? <laughs> and it would be time to enter the VR zone, and I would just put the VR zone on my face, 
And often, like, if I was in the same room, it would remember, like, oh, yeah, this is your living room. This is where the safe zone is, where you can walk around. Um, and then I was in VR. Yeah, I, I want to talk about this because this, this is freaking amazing to me, is that you basically paint, you use one of the, the Oculus VR controllers to paint the little safe zone on your floor. And you're like, this is the zone that if I stay inside, I will not hurt my hands by flinging them into the walls. Yes. Oh, that's so smart. And... Uh, and it will remember that like every time you it, it like recognizes all the stuff in your room with the camera, the pass through camera. And it's like, yep, that's the room. Um, but if you stick your head outside of the safe zone, it like the little pass through camera turns on in black and white, which I think is amazing. I'm just like, this is so great. I love it. I, I do that. I'll just put my beer safely outside of the safe zone and be like, well, the beer's over here. I just stick my head out, <laughs> drink it. And then go back, then go back into VR. I did that a couple times, uh, especially when I was playing super hot. Um, and th- there was a part where there were a bunch of guns that were sitting like way outside the safe zone. I didn't have anything, and I was like, "Huh, I wonder if I can just like keep walking. Is this my hallway?" Um, and it it didn't let me because it, of course, turned on the pass through camera, and I was not in VR anymore. But it was a nice moment of, of trying. <laughs> <laughs> you were in RR, real reality. Real reality. I hate it. I um I played it for a hot second, um, mm. and I came in a super hot second. A super hot second. Sadly, I did not play super hot. Ooh. But I obviously live in a different world from you all now, so I had very minimal knowledge going mm-hmm. in. Like I was like, what is this thing? It's the new Oculus thing. Like, what is it? They took away um, all your access to Polygon.com. Yeah. And reading articles on Polygon.com. Yeah. This is the new to watching <laughs> It's almost as if I only read things I care about now, and that never included Ocul- Oculus. But uh, can't even say it. <laughs> Can't even say it. I usually am like, what is this Garbo? I don't care. It's expensive. Mm-hmm. You need a PC. I, this does not affect me. But I saw um, Chelsea and Chris Grant playing it. And I was like, what is this? Is it connected to anything? They're like, no, like you can just pop it on. Like it's literally, mm-hmm. you know, there's no cords necessary. There's no monitor or whatever that it's attached to. Um, so I popped it on and I was saying to Grant afterward, like it's very comfortable. It's probably the most seamless um, VR experience I've ever had because mm-hmm. I know Chelsea, you're more into VR than me by far and uh, Simone I guess you're a fan but I would consider you the biggest VR person here like I've always found it very disorienting and I would get very nauseous but I was like totally comfortable being in it already I played Space Pirate Trainer which I've played before in the on Vive um and I mean it's not like an amazing game but it was like immediately I could just get into it moving around like yeah did you ever get you did you get sick at a trade show with VR I can't remember this. yes like I a, did oh yeah. we both did uh yeah what did you get <laughs> sick with uh, I got sick with a game. It was an indie game that I can't remember the name of, but it was at PAX. Mm. And I, I played it uh, and I got like super nauseous and I like wandered over to where my friends were playing Through the Woods, which is this Norwegian horror game. Um, and I had played that earlier that day. So I just went over there and the guys were like, hi, welcome back. And I was like, I need to sit down here mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. And so they just let me sit down on the 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 carpet in their booth and just like touch the ground for a while. It was very nice of them. Oh yeah. Um, like, what did you get sick with? I got sick with 
and I think this was my maybe my first or something VR experience. One of my first, maybe not my first, but it was Resident Evil Seven in VR. I played it at E three. Oh, I do remember. That. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so I played it in VR the whole demo, yes. if you remember, and like. I was so sick. I but they were like, "Oh, you're almost done. You're almost done." I was like, "Okay, I'll keep going." But just the head tracking, yeah, just made me so uncomfortable and I remember getting off that ride and sitting outside some door to like some closed door presentation mm -hmm. and so all these other press people were lining up behind me because they thought I was in line for this event oh, no. and I was like no I'm just sitting here because I'm so hot and queasy and I literally think I will throw up and so out oh, of solidarity no. a bunch of people just kept like sitting down next to me so I wouldn't look like a weirdo. That's so nice of them. It was cute but literally it was the yeah. same kind of thing where I was like I need to just be on the ground. Yeah. So it's cool that like you know, so, I felt totally fine coming in and out of the quest. I, I feel like I've played, a, I have played a lot of VR, but it also has made me burned out on VR a little bit because I mm -hmm. played it so much. I like was writing about it during the, the pre-release days, like during the Oculus DK1 and 2. And when like I got an Oculus Rift and then I didn't, I used it for a little while and then I didn't turn it on for like two years. Oh, like, wow. mm -hmm. And I was just like, I don't like hooking this thing up to my computer. It is impossible to like play in my apartment because there's not like enough space near my computer and you yeah. need to connect it to all these USB ports. It was like so uncomfortable. And now it's just like I play in my kitchen because it's the biggest room and I played Oculus Quest this weekend in my kitchen and it was amazing. Yeah. Ugh. You know, and I uh, did not find, so part of this, wow, bleh, sentences are great coming out of me. This is obviously a downgrade in processing capability from the regular Oculus that hooks up to the PC or certainly um, a downgrade compared to the Vive. Um, but for me, I think certainly the portability of it uh, outweighs that. The price of it outweighs that because it's only $400 for the 64 gig model. Um, and obviously you don't need a PC. So that's another huge cost that I would have had to pay if I wanted to have a VR system in my house. Um, and for the games that I was playing, I honestly, I agree with what uh, Ben Kuchera has said, which is that once you're in there, the difference is so negligible because you are immersed in what is happening. And um, I think last week on Rocket, I talked, I related that as an anecdote. And now I've actually played Robo Recall uh, in the Oculus Quest. And even with like zipping around the, the level and shooting all the robots and catching bullets in midair, I didn't personally notice a graphical downgrade. I know if, if somebody's like a big graphics head, they probably would notice that. But if this is something where you're you've been tossing around the idea of investing in a VR system for a while, um, and you don't really like, you're never gonna go the distance of getting the PC and all those hookups. Just do it. Like this is this is pretty much what I've been waiting for, for all this time. And like, ugh, I know in a two, in two years or so, it's gonna be even better, like in terms of graphics and availability of games, but. Man, it's it's good. It's really good right now. Like, it's finally here. There's also like a lot of very good video games on it. Like Moss, a game that a lot of us have had feelings on. Ashley, sadly not here, but mm -hmm. Moss is on it. So you get to play with that cute mouse Quill, Aww. be her be her protector. Mm -hmm. You get to play Super Hot, which you played. There's like um, Space Pirate, Pirate Trainer, 
Uh, Robo Recall. I Beat Expect Saber. You to Die. I started playing I Expect You to Die. It's so friggin' hard. It's really hard. I had a hard time with that game, but I still think that the puzzle design is very clever, but it in, it made me frustrated like old puzzle games do where yeah. you're like, I don't know the answer. So I Expect You to Die is a Bond, James Bond-esque puzzle game where you're a secret agent and... As an example, the first level, you're like in a car and you have to figure out how to get the car out of the airplane. But there are all these traps that you keep inadvertently setting off. Like oh. if you roll down the windows, poison gas comes in Is and sometimes like, a bomb um, comes out. God, what was that game called? Something Prophecy. You know what I'm talking about? Remember we played it where you're also a secret agent and you literally have to like crawl around and solve puzzles to get out. Oh my God. Do you remember that game? I do remember that. That game was fun. Yeah, this one is seated only, but. Okay. Wow. I completely forgot about that. I'll look up what it's called. Yeah. Holy shit. This this one though, you're like, you're seated, but you there's all these things. I remember when I demoed it the first time, I kept like Mm -hmm. being like screwing up and being like, okay, so what do I do? Because you, there were things hidden all over this car you had to like get a screwdriver from somewhere to unscrew Mm -hmm. something to get a wire like it's very complicated but at the same time when you figure it out you're like oh this is rad yeah there are certain there are some things that i really want to appear on this because it doesn't have the full oculus library in some cases because of tech like i i've heard russ say that lone echo is probably not going to end up on this because it's so you know the graphics are so high but things that i want on this that are not there yet Dream Deck, which is Oculus's um, seated only or like no controls demo thing that just runs you through a bunch of scenarios. And for me, I I need that on this because I'm not going to like put my mom in super hot and have her get shot in the head. But <laughs> did you? Oh, you didn't. So you didn't do the setup for this. There is a cute little setup thing you can go through. And is that first steps? Mm-hmm. I did play first steps. But so did like, you it's do dance with an alien? Same. Yes, I danced with the alien, and it was freaking great. I made Sean dance with an alien. Yeah, because I was like, okay, now you have to see this, and the alien will match your moves. And uh, that was extremely cute and good. But what I love about Dream Deck is that it's just. It's all those scenarios. It's the best example of what VR can, the scale of VR can do. Like there's, for those of you who aren't familiar with it, there's a part where you're just standing in a museum hallway and a dinosaur comes around the corner and then runs down the hallway towards you. There's a part where you're standing on the ledge of a giant skyscraper and looking down at the ground like a hundred feet below and you don't do anything in those scenes. It's just like a little scenario so that you can get the sense of being in another world and for me and for I think people who don't aren't familiar with games and controls like that's the best way to understand like oh this is what this technology can do um so I want that (laughs) that scenario that dream deck when they ran me through it at oculus connect when I went yeah and reported there that was the shit that like blew my mind yeah and that was that's also the times when I realized that writing about VR is very hard because you're like it was like a dream. A dinosaur ran over me. <laughs> I, I was really there. I was I standing was, on that skyscraper. And then I was flying. Oh, man. And it's just like, writing about it is so challenging because you're so like, you hard. had to be there. Yeah, oh you guys God. don't get it. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah. The game that is now completely irrelevant because it's only on the vibe, but Unseen Diplomacy. Unseen Diplomacy. Thank you for looking that that up. Freaking Uh, Budget Cuts is the other one that I really want. Uh, That's another robot killing game because all VR games are about killing robots, actually. Um, But that's one I played in the office one night when it was 
around E3 or something, and Chris Grant and Charlie Hall were there, and we were just hanging out in the old office, and they made me play budget cuts, and it was like a spirit, a murder spirit possessed me. I was so scared because these robots will like see you and then lock onto you and then come to kill you. And you have like little knives and things that you can pick up. And I was like doing matrix shit with like (laughs) grabbing knives out of midair and throwing them, but also like screaming and on the ground. (laughs) It was very fun. I will say that was maybe my favorite thing about VR is like that this doesn't have is that because it was hooked up to a computer there was the monitor and you could watch people you know being idiots and then seeing what they're seeing you can do that with a Chromecast you can cast it to a Chromecast uh, like the HD kind which is cool cool. Uh, and I think they're going to add they've told me they are going to add more devices which is pretty rad that's good I I think also you can uh, hook it up uh, or attach it to the app on your phone Yes, you can stream to, so someone could watch your phone. <laughs> yeah, but that, and That's then like you the could cast your phone to the TV. Oh, maybe so. Oh, I haven't okay. tried that. Uh, maybe. But yeah, I don't know. I, um, yeah, I do miss that. Yeah, that's my favorite part. But if there is that option, Chromecast, then this sounds pretty dope. Just dope. I'm going to get one after E3. It's my present to myself if I survive. <laughs> we'll just get one for your corpse if you don't. Thank it's you. Yeah, I'll take Bury it. me in my VR headset. Just order it now and then bequeath it to me if you die. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Well, do you guys want to talk about Tuca and Birdie? <laughs> Wonderful transition as always. Um, yeah. Yeah. I so, want to hear about Tuca and Birdie. So you haven't watched it yet? Charles? No. Have even you? though you guys warned me for three weeks that you were going to do the segment. gave you a you lot of heads up. Time. You um, did. And then I, no. what I did, I kept playing Persona 4. <laughs> <laughs> were you a, a BoJack person? Yeah, I am a BoJack person for sure. Okay, so there you go. So, uh, Simone, I can set Please it up. set it up. But then I would love to hear your thoughts. So Slam it to me. Slam it to ya. Okay, so Tuca and Birdie is from the character designer lead artist on Bojack Horseman Lisa Hanawalt um so she is completely uh you know in charge directed created yada 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 written and it's about two birds Tuka and Birdie mm-hmm. um who live in I think it's just called Bird City or something what silly like yeah. that what type of bird so Tuka's a toucan okay Birdie is just song like a, thrush. a song thrush yeah so it's a world mostly populated by birds, or at least where they live, because it's Bird City. It doesn't have the same. I mean, not that Bojack Horseman has logic, but Bojack Horseman has like myriad animals and humans. But in this, there's like sometimes a human, sometimes like something that isn't a bird, but like mostly it's birds. Um, but immediately from like the opening credits, you can tell that the show does not really subscribe to any sort of logic in the same way it's extremely Mm -hmm. surrealist um it has a much more down-to-earth sort of story i think because it's about these two best friends tuca moves out um of birdie's place because birdie is living with her bf now um so tuca has to get her own place and so boyfriend not best friend oh her boyfriend yes (laughs) she was living with her bf but now she's living with her bf yes yes um who is a beautiful character and i love him um, speckle. So anyway, yeah, so the whole thing is sort of like, okay, they are these two best friends and now they're living on their own sort of separately for the first time and the trials and tribulations of that and then their individual experiences as women of, you know, in their late 20s, early 30s in uh, America today. Mm-hmm. Um, which makes it sound, yeah, like sort of 
you know, not mundane even, but it really has the same energy to me of like an anime. Like mm-hmm. it's one of those shows where the animation, it proves out that like this is what animation is great for. Like it, it has this dreamlike flexibility to it where suddenly things will like bend the way like they shouldn't and the colors will change and the pacing will quicken and it's just like really beautiful and fun to watch on that end I think a great example of that is like at some point in the very first episode when Speckle moves in with Birdie he has a little um, sugar dish of his grandmother's ashes yeah, uh, and he ends up eating them accidentally and they come to life in his stomach and that's it like that's real in the context of the show yeah uh so yeah ab- you're absolutely spot on like it has this it, it uses the fact that it's animation to do things that you could never do in any other medium yeah it's so it's just it's wild like when yeah. when i'm watching it it feels like i'm like I, I'm very conscious of the fact that I'm watching something that I could never in a million years imagine. Like it would never come out of my brain. It's so uniquely itself. Yeah. So it's a lot more surreal than Bojack Horseman. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's um <laughs> Bojack Horseman is its extremely depressing older brother. Uh, this is like give, and your description's almost giving me like regular show vibes or something like that. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of regular show. It honestly reminds me I keep thinking of it as like an anime, like some kind of like wild comedy anime, but also when you're talking about it, Simone, um, mm-hmm. it, I'm starting to think of like old Looney Tunes cartoons. Wonderful. Yeah, All these things. Actually. Yeah. Like, you know, like Chuck Jones and Tex Avery, mm-hmm. like how characters like their eyes would bug out and like they'd go from being like very wide to very narrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it completely just plays around with the form in such fun ways that yeah. like I personally prefer Bojack because I think Bojack on a storytelling level, is just like very emotionally well mean, done. I just prefer Bojack because I want to be sad. I yeah, like also because I like crying. And um, <laughs> sorry. Hey, Tuka and Birdie is sad too. Tuka and Birdie does get sad. Bojack <laughs> is like, I would have to lie down after every episode. And I just think Bojack's a little bit funnier. But Tuka and Birdie, I think the characters. <laughs> the, con- the dichotomy between those two things. It's funny and very sad. And funny. then Tuka and Birdie sad less sad less funny but the animation is just so freaking mm-hmm. fun to watch it's just like such an such an endearing show on that level mm-hmm. for uh, so one of my favorite things actually about bojack is like when they would make jokes about them being animals and there were like animal related jokes for some reason that really strikes my particular type of humor mm-hmm. and that's the kind of shit that would crack me up so i Yes. Hope that there's the similar kind of vein. Yeah, definitely. Okay, good. Yeah, there's a. They have like a, a alternate Christmas that's molting day. Yeah, um, they have a whole alternate horrifying. like Santa mythology. <laughs> oh God, it's very good. Do you guys want? Are you the type of people who would have a pet bird in your house? <sighs> Ethically, no. Ethically. However, if it found me and we <laughs> bonded as equals, then yes. So I think I've talked about this. I am deathly afraid of birds because I don't like anything that can poop on my head. So I would not ever have a bird in my house or near me. So this was good in terms of getting me to be endeared to birds. Wait, yeah, I want to know where Chelsea's going with this. Why? <laughs> I just wanted to know how you felt about birds because birds are not like a pet that I Oh no. Like no, 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 no. they're too alien. 
They're just too alien, in my opinion. I don't like them. They're dinosaurs. Yeah, they are little dinosaurs, and they do poop everywhere. And that is, and also then the parrots live, you know, ninety years, and they have depression. Oh God, yeah, Yeah. and they won't shut up. (laughs) It's like me. (laughs) Me. Why would you want another bee? I'm going to get it now. I have to. I'm changing my mind and buying a peg a parrot and naming it Allegra Junior. No. God, just can't do that. kill me and take over my name. Uh, fun fact about parrots in the their troops that they grow up with in the wild. This is somehow the second time this week that I have told this anecdote. It's only Wednesday. Uh, they ha- I know. That's what's so fucked up about it. Um, they have unique call signs. So essentially they have the bird equivalent of names that Aww. are unique to them. So when we take parrots from the wild and like bring them to captivity or if they even grow up in captivity um the reason that they repeat our words is because they're constantly seeking that connection so when we take parrots from the wild we are literally ripping out of uh, ripping them out of a culture where they have a unique language um and a way of communicating with their fellows and putting them in a situation where they can't communicate with anyone and that's fucked up and that's why parrots should not be kept as pets Mm. i mean there's like a million reasons that they should not be, but yes, very yeah. much. And that's why they can get depression and why they can get PTSD um, and why it sucks. <laughs> Tuca and Birdie, however, <laughs> is Tuka fictional. And a great show. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry to have taken us down this path. I just no, wanted to know your opinions on birds. <laughs> uh, literally, anytime I can talk about the uh, wonderful article about parrots with PTSD. Yeah, um, you've talked about you talked about that on the video version of this show. Surprise! <laughs> wow. I still think about it That's all a the time. Deep cut. Yep. Thank you for remembering, Chelsea. I I care about both of you <laughs> and Ashley a lot. Yay! And you remember what we say. Um, any any final thoughts about Tuca and Birdie? I think I think we haven't talked enough about like how funny it is and how I guess it, it's been compared to Broad City a lot. I think because mm. it's about two like very different and semi dysfunctional friends. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it, it's treatment of that friendship. Uh, between Tuca and Birdie, which is like the center of the show, is really very. It's it's coming from a place of like understanding that kind of friendship and appreciating it, even as like it's recognizably not good for either character in certain scenarios. Mm. But in some scenarios, they do support each other, and that their differences are mm-hmm. strengths. So yeah, yeah, I've been I've been thinking about that as well as um. I'll get to my other thing in a second, but. Yeah, I really like Broad City, I think, and Abby and Alana are great, and they're actually, like, really good friends, but I never really related to that friendship in Mm -hmm. the same way, whereas I can see more analogs in my life with Tuca and Birdie. Yeah. Um, Because exactly as you said, there are many parts of their friendship that suggest they shouldn't have one or be this close, but also I think it is willing to characterize them more vulnerably and multidimensionally than we necessarily see with like Abby and Alana in Broad City. Yeah, it's not afraid to dig into the darkness that each character has. Yeah, like my favorite. Chelsea's raising her hands in the air. Yeah. She's excited. I am excited. Well, I, I, I've been wanting to talk about this in the show, but I will let y'all finish your thought. But have you either of you watched the final season of Broad City? Not yet. No, not yet. <gasps> okay. I know I, I need well, to. Finish this thought because I will actually tangent on it because I think it's Good and related to this. 
Um, yeah, like my favorite episode of Tuca and Birdie was one where Tuca is going on a date. You remember this one where mm-hmm. Birdie's like, oh, you like this guy. You should go on a date. But she also had recently quit drinking. Mm-hmm. And so she's like really putting off, you know, seeing this guy and is really uncomfortable and awkward, even though Birdie's always like, oh, but you're always like you had sex pests. Like you're always <laughs> sleeping with dudes. But then she has this really emotional moment where she's like, well, this is the f- I've never dated while sober. Like yeah. I'm afraid to confront that side of myself. And it usually in a character like in a dynamic like that where one's like the sort of moral straight laced one and the other one's kooky. Mm -hmm. Like you wouldn't see the kooky one necessarily have that sort of vulnerable breakdown. And that moment is so is so good because there's there's so many things happening in that episode. Like for one, Bertie, who's in this steady a very normal relationship with a beautiful, it, with a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful Robin man is kind of <laughs> using like Tuca, Tuca's wildness and the fact that Tuca is single and out there and dating, like kind right. of trying to live vicariously through that. And so in her text messages, encouraging her being like, oh, yeah, get it. You're so like, this is wild. So romantic. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. While Tuca's texting her back like, oh, we're in a really romantic situation with these beautiful glow worms. And this is this is really intense. And Tuka's saying all these things that like about how she's freaking out and Birdie is interpreting it as like, oh, wow, this amazing date. Yeah. I don't get to do this anymore. This is amazing. And they're just having this total miscommunication. Um, and it and uh, like you said, Tuka is also having this dark moment that the kooky character doesn't necessarily get to have very often. Um, and it's just it's good. It's good. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> it's really good. Chelsea. Well, so, yeah, I think a lot of people that I've talked to fell off of Broad City after the last season, season four, Mm -hmm. but they did a final season, which is worth watching like all the way through because it's done Mm -hmm. Um, because it actually like one, it finally gives these characters kind of like growth and change. So in the season, like a little, a little spoilery, like. Uh, Abby starts dating a woman mm-hmm. and then like kind of goes through this someone who challenges her maturity. And this is like the first relationship that feels like a real relationship for her. And she's kind of starting to see like, hey, maybe I'm stuck in this place in my life that isn't great for me. And Alana, right. Alana is like trying to hold on and actually make that friendship more close because mm. uh-huh. um, Jaime's moving out with his boyfriend and like they're suddenly kind of challenged by each other. Oh, yeah. That's the good shit. It is actually really good. And it also is like a very much a like, hey, doesn't New York kind of suck Um, (laughs) moment, too? Because there's like clearly like the writers, you know, the writers and creators of the show are feeling the same ways we do about New York City, which is like this place kind of drags you down and becomes a lot. Mm -hmm. And like there's still like fun and whimsy episodes. Um, But at the same time, they like this is the first time. Alana ever actually becomes honest about her feelings mm. and it is so good and they also go to sleep no more hell yeah oh my god well I'm right there you should have just said that you should have said that weeks ago that's the relatable it. content I've been waiting for the relatable content uh, no but seriously like I was just so impressed with how well the show that was yeah. always an irreverent comedy finally handled growing up and let the characters grow awesome um that actually makes me super excited to watch it again because i think i fell off like season three or something i was just watching it like not while it was airing um Mm -hmm. or like trying to catch up with the current episodes and it was 
the fact that it was this sort of irreverent kind of like their cartoon characters, but in ways that I don't know, it felt static, but like it wasn't necessarily trying to be like it wasn't like it was a live action cartoon, but the characters felt very much. No, so. yeah, they they did act like cartoon characters like they, yeah. they acted in this way that they'd always kind of revert to the same state at the end of the ever episode. Yeah. yeah, which sometimes can be super enjoyable, but it just felt like there should have been some evolution at some point. So it's nice to hear that there is. But also um, what this reminds me of and what I was going to say before is there's like a really good apex right now. We're in a really good period of like shows that reckon with like female friendships in really interesting ways as well as mm-hmm. like very bluntly female sexuality, but especially female friendships with Tuca and Birdie and what you're saying about Broad City and then also Pen15, which is my favorite show of the year yeah. so far. Um, so it's really cool that we're in this season right now, mm-hmm. so specifically of all these shows that are doing a good job of illustrating how close female friendships can change and work. Yeah, I feel like we're seriously in a very bright spot right now of incredibly challenging and brilliant shows that are run by women Tuca and Birdie being one um, the Broad City finale according to you obviously according to you I guess <laughs> according no. to me probably uh, is what you've said about that and then also Fleabag which is what we're going to talk about next um, I would have included Killing Eve in there but unfortunately I did not enjoy this most recent season that's of what it. I've heard oh no mm. Let's talk about Fleabag, which is uh, created by the uh, person who show ran the first season of Killing Eve, actually, Phoebe Waller-Bridges or Bridge-Wallers? Waller-Bridge. (laughs) Phoebe (laughs) Waller-Bridge. Bridge-Wallers. Who originated this show as a one-woman show um, in Edinburgh at the the festival there. Fringe. Um, Fringe. The Fringe Fringe Festival. Festival. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It had its first season like three years ago and I did not watch it. It was not on my radar. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's that's actually what confused me because I was like, didn't this show have a first season a long time ago? A long time ago. Apparently, yes. And then she finally uh, came back with a second season of it and it is absolutely brilliant. Uh, the show follows an unnamed woman who people usually call Fleabag in like write-ups of it for ease of talking about the character, <laughs> um, who is in the aftermath of her mother's death and her best friend's death, trying to run a cafe and be a functional human being and just having a really hard time with that. How do you have an unnamed character for a whole it's amazing. They do a really great job. A like, lot of the characters don't yeah, have names, actually. A lot. Is, yeah, yeah. The main love interest. In yeah, that's amazing. Too. I mean, like, that's really cool. And also interesting and just how we kind of create names for people that we don't know the names of. It is. It is. I honestly didn't notice until the very end of the second season uh how many of the other characters didn't have names. It was funny. (laughs) Yeah, there's a great moment. I wouldn't call this a spoiler, but like, so, um, what two of the main characters are Fleabag's dad and her stepmom. And in the last episode, her stepmom is like introducing her dad to, or her godmother to be stepmom is introducing uh, her dad to Fleabag's someone. Dad, and yeah. she's like, Oh, I usually just call you darling. And then I was yeah. like, yeah, wait, what the hell is his name? We've never, I don't even think she doesn't even really call him dad. Like it's crazy. Yeah. Uh. Uh, but uh, what I, uh, I love about this show is, it's very dry and witty for one, but the first season she is on this journey to being just 
rock bottom. Like she is fucking up in her relationships. She, her, the cafe that she's running is not going well. Um, she's really not dealing with her grief. And then the second, so she ends that season just like in a really dark place. Show's very funny, but it ends in a very dark place. But then the second season is really all about um, walk, taking a character back from that place in a very non-trite, uh, realistic way. Like the, the character development is just incredible. It's such an a good treatment of grief and dysfunction and all the the myriad ways that a person can fuck up in their life. Mm-hmm. Is it more of a character study show than something with like a plot? That's a good question. It it does have an overarching plot, which I, I guess I would say is just the relationship between Fleabag and her family. Um, and the priest, I guess. And the priest. Yeah, but it, it, it definitely is very internal. It's about her relationship with herself and her family. Yeah, I think it definitely is. The plot's pretty threadbare. It is more mm-hmm. fun to just sort of watch her interactions with everyone. But also not um, not at the expense of the other characters. Mm-hmm. Like we definitely watch her sister go through some really interesting mm-hmm. uh, developments through the season. Her god awful husband, who I fucking hate. <laughs> her um, sister's husband. Her sister's husband. Jesus Christ. And who then sucks. there's the hot priest, who's like the the breakout. I would say, who is um, this guy that Fleabag has a, a romantic. Uh, she gets a, a crush on a priest. Yes. She, which is great because she's a person who uses sex to cope with just her emotions. Yeah. Like it's uses so that as great. an outlet. And then she gets a crush on a priest and is like, damn. She's literally Googling <laughs> what happens if a priest has sex? It's sex like, with priests. <laughs> it's really good. Um, Can Catholic priests have sex? Yeah. So oh, even he's, this, he's Catholic. Oh, that's very. Yeah, yeah it's rough. He's, he's like not the, even Anglican. He's like officiating the wedding is how they <laughs> met him. But um, <laughs> like even he, this guy who has only been in the show for this series, like six episodes, mm-hmm. benefits from a full, I feel like, full portrayal. Like we get a very yeah. good sense of who he is. Yeah. It's one of those shows where every I feel like every actor knows where their character is coming from, uh, which is much like Succession. Actually, that's another. That's one of the things I love about Succession is that you go into a scene with two or three or more characters, and everyone has their motivations. And when every character is, you know, inhabiting themselves to the utmost, every scene feels very like lived in and I love that shit. It definitely speaks to its origins as like a stage show. Like it feels Mm -hmm. like a play in a lot of ways. Yeah, Yeah. you know, like, cause a play would never be like, that's Godmother. She was best friends with my mom who died. (laughs) And that's like, this doesn't do that either. Like I watched the first episode. I'd seen the first season when it came out, Mm -hmm. but that was literally 2015. And I completely forgot everything that happened. Push back on that kind because this show does have a lot of fourth wall breaks, and I think that scenario actually does happen. (laughs) (laughs) There are fourth wall breaks, but I feel like the fourth wall breaks as the season goes on because the hot priest is like checking Mm -hmm. on them and like challenging them. You know, it's actually kind of interesting because they don't really remark upon that. How he's always like, "Where are you going? Where are you going?" Mm -hmm. And so her fourth wall breaking, I feel like, changes its tenor. I think in the first episode, it is a bit more like that. Mm-hmm. Um, in sort of an establishment way. But um, 
it was still like not enough for me to watch the second season without having to watch. There was like a recap. Oh, yeah. For I, it. I watched them all in one weekend. Yeah. Hey, there are only 12 episodes and each one is 30 minutes long. Oh, my God. Yeah. So I watched six hours of content. Yeah. I watched the second season. We were talking about this like in one night. Yeah. Um, Gotta get that six hours of content. <laughs> it was great. I was home alone. I stole my roommate's Amazon Prime because that's why I couldn't watch it because I don't have Amazon Prime. And uh, I, I was going to ask. That's perfect. You product placement at perfect spot. <laughs> <laughs> and now a word from our sponsor real quick. Uh, Just kidding. I'm no. my sponsor. Any final thoughts about Fleabag? It's good. You should watch it. They're it's not really making any more. Good. They apparently. shouldn't make any more. It's perfect. So it ended perfectly. It literally ended perfectly. Un. Oh yeah, I don't want any more. Getting emotional just thinking about it. <laughs> that sounds wonderful. It was such a good ending. Ah, unlike Killing Eve season two, which sucked ass. And so we don't have to get too much into that, but she isn't involved with season two. Phoebe, not Walbridge. with season two. No, she okay. did season one. Wrote season one. Should have written season two, but she was busy doing other cool things, uh, and it was taken over by another person who did not do. A, in my opinion, I feel like season two spends a lot of time spinning its wheels on two plots that don't matter. Hmm. So I was frustrated with that. I'm happy to talk about it more in depth later, but I think could I still just watch season one and ignore season? Two? Oh hell yeah, and you should. Cause season one is great. <laughs> yeah, actually. I don't, does anyone else watch Killing Eve? On no, the show? you've just made us all want to watch it, and then we never do. Well, for a year, <laughs> so it's time for me to walk that back. For some reason, you telling me that the second season is trash makes me actually think I'm going to watch this first season because now I'm like, I don't have to commit to anything else. What's wrong with you? <laughs> I got a lot of TV to watch and fall asleep during after 20 minutes. Well, I promise that I'm going to watch Barry soon. So, oh, Barry, I kind of want to watch Barry too. Oh my god, y'all should watch Barry. Also, Simone and I have a pact that we should actually do so that we can talk about it in the show, which is watching Hereditary together. Oh, God. Oh, shit. Yeah, we did say that. Thank you, you for do that. reminding me. You should do that before Midsummer comes out. And then we all uh, can see Midsummer. I've watched... I. It was almost like Simone Ghost wrote this article on The Cut, which was, I'm very looking much looking forward to reading the Wikipedia entry for Midsummer. I feel like I sent that to you or something. I also I sent it to her. Yeah, I definitely <laughs> saw that and immediately sent it to Simone. It was very truthful to my experience. Yeah. Uh, and now I'm just mad that I didn't write it myself. Now that I've watched the longer trailer, too, I'm like, oh, my God, I want to see Midsummer, but I do not want to see Midsummer. Holy shit. It yeah. looks great. I really genuinely and not joking can't wait to read the Wikipedia plot <laughs> summary of it. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> but we're going to watch Hereditary together and be tough. Hereditary I I would I would think it's better to watch it in a room you can choose to leave and that during in a place where you can pause it because I watched it in a theater and it was the worst goddamn theater going experience I've ever had. I've probably nice. talked about this before. I was so brutally uncomfortable. I turned to my friend and I was like, "Would you be mad if I left?" And they were like, "Yes." Yes, I would. Oh, no. I was like, I want to die. Just letting you know, I want to die. Wow, this is not selling it. <laughs> it's a good can't movie. Wait. I can't wait to, to do it's that. It's a great movie. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Someone in Chelsea's scare cast. Well, that's our show for today. Uh, stay tuned for uh, next week for pre-3. Pre-3. Whatever we're doing for pre three. We're going to talk about all the good barbecue we ate in Nashville. Oh, oh yeah. yes, we are. Hell yeah. Yes, we are. Uh, and if you have anything to say, you can email it to polygonshow at polygon.com. 
com. Ooh, can I make a request for yes. the fans out there on episode 101? I feel like we should keep track now, now that we know what episode this yeah. is. Anyway, um, since we're all going to be together in Nashville mm-hmm. and we're going to be there for a long ass time, if we have time, we should find it to play a game together. That would be fun. We haven't done that in a while, you guys. Maybe yes. the listeners can tweet at us, Ooh. give us a game suggestion. Something that we can play in hotel rooms, basically. Yeah, or like, like a Switch game. Yeah. That would be so, good. Oh, something with two Switches, maybe even. Or, mm-hmm. a, or a casual card game. Yeah, a card game, that's easy. Or Switch game, that's probably, those are probably the only options, really. So maybe tweet at us. Y'all know our Twitters. Doom Quasar. Yeah, yeah. Chelsea Bot. And that, for some What's, reason, I thought you were going to confirm or deny. So I that made me like, anxious. I was just making sure and, that you were going to read all of our Twitters out. I'm Legs Frank, and Ashley is... It's, it's Ashley, Ashley O. o. It is Ashley O. So maybe tweet at us on Friday and give us some suggestions for a switch game or a card game to play all together. And we can talk about it next week. Nice. And, and Sheriff Chancy can be there too. <gasps> Sheriff Chancy. Yeah. I hope everyone Chancy? enjoyed our hundredth uh, episode. I had a lot of fun making it. Uh, and by this time, I think our bonus episode about the game of Thrones finale will be out. So you can listen to that. Um, and we actually did get an email about the game of Thrones finale that I forgot to read on it, mm-hmm. but I will maybe address it after that episode goes out when the statute of limitations on Game of Thrones spoilers has lifted. Um, so, yes. Thank you for listening. Make sure you rate and review the show wherever you can because that helps people find it. And we'll be back with you next week. And this has been The Polygon Show.